Good morning, Sunship, and welcome to A Course in Miracles daily uh, reading of the text where we gather uh, to read uh, A Course in Miracles, um, the original edition, which is published by Course in Miracles Society. You can get an original edition by going to jcim.net, and on the link you will see online edition. We invite our daily lesson. Today's lesson is, Today I Learn the Law of Love that what I give my brother is my gift to me. We'll be reading from the manual. We'll be reading section 8 and 9. And in this holy instant, I'm going to turn the call over to Sharon for morning prayer. Sharon? Thanks, Chris. Dear Brother Jesus, you tell us today, quote, The belief in order of difficulties is the basis for the world's perception. It rests rests on differences. Physical things can be compared with any number of varying qualities and attributes and marked as unequal. Adjectives such as painful and pleasurable, able and helpless, mighty and powerless, triumphant and defeated, dangerous and benign, dazzling and dull, foolish and wise, all represent dramatic inequalities. You guide us to see that, quote, what the body's eyes behold is only conflict, unquote. You teach us, quote, look not to them for peace and understanding, unquote. You state, Quote, by definition, an illusion is an attempt to make something real that is regarded as of major importance, but is recognized as being untrue. Unquote. It seems so ludicrous that we would do this, and yet we are constantly regarding everything in that way. All definitions can have a contrast. One is believed to be desirable with the other, to lack value, be avoided or fixed, diminished or even destroyed. All of this makes up the world of illusion. You tell us we avoid truth and health. The ego challenges that neither can be found or is desirable if it can be found neither is desirable as it can be found. In this world of illusion, love and trust are viewed as naive and foolish. The choice to be cynical is considered wise and to be judgmental makes one safe and powerful. If someone appears to be a threat, some sort of attack is justified and encouraged. Choosing To not attack that which seems to be a threat is considered a weakness or even potentially dangerous. And so we go to war internally, interpersonally, and globally. You remind us that all of this is a fabrication of the mind. You remind us that Quote, the body's eyes will never see except through differences. Yet it is not 
the messages they bring on which perception rests. Only the mind evaluates their messages. So only the mind is responsible for seeing. Unquote. Quote, it is in the sorting out and categorizing activities of the mind that errors in perception enter. Unquote. We discover the faultiness and inconsistencies of perception. Simply listening to three people describing a crime or pointing out a criminal in a lineup brings our perception under suspicion. Memory makes us realize we don't remember clearly. And what is that about? Our changing and wavering viewpoints over time cause us to question whether truth can be known or even exists. We realize how confused and anxious we really are. However, this is helpful. When we come to know how deeply we need help to resolve our doubts and disillusionment, the Holy Spirit's healing can be welcomed regardless of what we call him. And he knows all illusions are equally true. You teach us. There can be no order of difficulty in healing merely because all sickness is illusion. Is it harder to dispel the belief of the insane in a larger hallucination as opposed to a smaller one? Unquote. When we give up all of our trust on learning to understand in our perception we can begin again, this time with the guidance and healing of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for teaching me this. We can, he can heal our minds. And I'm beginning to really see this and trust this. He can do this as soon as we loosen hold on our perceptions and deeply desire healing. We then understand that we cannot trust the body's eyes to tell us the truth. This can happen when we experience truth, so have a new reference point. Once we begin to have a glimpse of what truth is, we can let go of what truth is not. Healing and truth can take their place in our minds, and this is happening right now thanks to you. Thanks to the Holy Spirit. Ah, I know God's truth is the only thing that can bring me happiness. And for this, I am truly grateful. It makes the way more clear and simple. It makes happiness more real. For I cannot accept my healing while I grasp the illusion that there is an order of difficulties, it only causes me to doubt that healing is possible. The belief in the order of difficulties creates doubt. Well, maybe it can happen for you, but look at my difficulties. How can it possibly happen for me? I release my perceptions to you. Take them and replace them with those that are closer to truth. 
I am tired of the pain that this world of illusions brings. I know there is so much more. So much to be hopeful and thankful for. Thank you so much for showing this to me. Salvation is underway. It is hard to believe, and yet I know. Salvation is underway. Thank you, God. Truth, please. Truth does set us free. Please take my mind. It is yours. Use it for the unfolding of truth and healing on the planet. In giving myself entirely to you, how could I possibly go wrong? You are at the helm now, this very moment. Ah, let's enjoy the ride. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Sharon. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Sharon. All right. Here's who I have. I have Lee, Ida, Sharon, Paula, Mary. So has any... Oh, they're listening. I'm sorry. We have Bryce, Carl, and Arsini. And so has anyone joined the call that would like to be on the reading list? Oh, hi. Yes, Reverend Rija. I, well, hello. I, hi. I had some police activity around our house, so I, I got oh, uh, uh, interrupted, but um, I'm here. Terrific. Anyone else? Rob's listening. Hi, Rob. Okay. Eight. How can the perception of order of difficulties be avoided? The belief in order of difficulties is the basis for the world's perception. It rests on differences, on uneven background and shifting foreground, on equal heights and diverse sizes, on varying degrees of darkness and light, and thousands of contrasts in which each thing seen completes, excuse me, each thing seen competes with every other in order to be recognized. A larger object overshadows a smaller one. A brighter thing draws attention from another with less intensity of appeal. And a more threatening idea or one conceived of as more desirable by the world standards completely upsets the mental balance. Hmm. What the body's eyes behold is only conflict. Look not to them for peace and understanding. Lee, one and two, please. The belief in order of difficulties is the basis for the world's perception. It rests on differences, on uneven background and shifting foreground, on unequal heights and diverse sizes, on varying degrees of darkness and light, and thousands of contrasts in which each thing seen competes with every other in order to be recognized a larger object overshadows a smaller one. A brighter thing draws attention from another with less intensity of appeal. And a more threatening idea, or one conceived of as more desirable 
by the world's standards completely upsets the mental balance. What the body's eyes behold is only conflict. Look not to them for peace and understanding. Two, illusions are always illusions of differences. How could it be otherwise? By definition, an illusion is an attempt to make something real that is regarded of as major importance but is recognized as being untrue. The mind therefore seeks to make it true out of its intensity of desire to have it for itself. Illusions are travesties of creation, attempts to bring truth to lies, finding truth unacceptable the mind revolts against truth and gives itself an illusion of victory. Finding health a burden, it retreats into feverish dreams. And in these dreams, the mind is separate, different from other minds, with different interests of its own, and able to gratify its needs at the expense of others. Thank you, Lee. Ida, two and three, please. Illusions are always illusions of differences. How could it be otherwise? By definition, an illusion is an attempt to make something real that is regarded as of major importance but is recognized as being untrue. The mind, therefore, seeks to make it true out of its intensity of desire to have it for itself. Illusions are travesties of creation, attempts to bring truth to lies. Finding truth unacceptable, the mind revolts against truth and gives itself an illusion of victory. Finding health a burden that retreats into feverish dreams. And in these dreams, the mind is separate, different from other minds, with different interests of its own, and able to gratify its needs at the expense of others. Three, where do all these differences come from? Certainly, they seem to be in the world outside. Yet it is surely the mind that judges what the eyes behold. It is the mind that interprets the eye's messages and gives them, quote, meaning. And this meaning does not exist in the world outside at all. What is seen as, quote, reality is simply what the mind prefers. Its hierarchy of values is projected outward, and it sends the body's eyes to find it. The body's eyes will never see, except through differences. Yet it is not the messages they bring on, yet it is not the messages they bring on which perception rests. Only the mind evaluates their messages. So only the mind is responsible for seeing. It alone decides whether 
what is seen is real or illusory, desirable or undesirable, pleasurable or painful. Thank you, Ida. Sharon, three and four, please. Where do all these differences come from? Certainly they seem to be in the world outside. Yet it is surely the mind that judges what the eyes behold. It is the mind that interprets the eyes' messages and gives them, quote, meaning. And this meaning does not exist in the world outside at all. What is seen as, quote, reality is simply what the mind prefers. Its hierarchy of values is projected outward and it sends the body's eyes to find it. The body, the body's eyes will never see except through differences. Yet it is only the messages they bring on which perception rests. Only the mind evaluates their messages, so only the mind is responsible for seeing. It alone decides what it sees, whether what it sees is real or illusory, desirable or undesirable, pleasurable or painful. It is in the sorting out and categorizing activities of the mind that errors in perception enter. And it is here correction must be made. The mind classifies what the body's eyes bring to it according to its preconceived values, judging where each sense datum fits best. What basis could be falsier than this? Unrecognized by itself, it has itself asked to be given what will fit into these categories. And having done so, it concludes that the categories must be true. On this, the judgment of all differences rests because it is on this that judgments of the world depend. Can this confused and senseless reasoning be dependent, depended on for anything? Thank you, Sharon. Next, remind everyone to mute their phones, please. Thanks. Uh, Paula, four and five, please. <coughs> Excuse me. It is in the sorting out and the categorizing, act, categorizing activities of the mind that errors in perception enter, and it is here that correction must be made. The mind classifies what the body's eyes bring to it according to its preconceived values, judging where each sense datum fits best. What basis could be faultier than this? Unrecognized by itself, it has itself it has itself asked to be given what will, what will fit into these categories. And having done so, it concludes that the categories must be true. On this, the judgment of all differences rests, because it is on this that judgments of the world depend. Can this confused and senseless reasoning be depended on for anything? There can be no order of difficulty in healing, merely because all sickness is illusion. It is harder to dispel the belief of the insane in a larger hallucination as opposed, is it harder to dispel the belief of the insane 
in, the, in a larger hallucination or opposed to a smaller one? Will he agree more quickly to the unreality of a louder voice he hears than to that of a softer one? Will he dismiss more easily a whispered demand to kill than a shout? And do the number of pitchforks the devils he sees carrying affect their credibility in his perception? His mind has categorized them as real, and so they are real to him. When he realizes they are all illusions, they will disappear. And so it is this with healing. And so it is with healing. The properties of illusions which seem to make them different are really irrelevant, for their properties are all illusory as they are. Thank you, Paula. Mary, five and six, please. There can be no order of difficulty in healing merely because all sickness is illusion. Is it harder to dispel the belief of the insane in a larger hallucination as opposed to a smaller one? Will he agree more quickly to the unreality of a louder voice he hears than to that of a softer one? Will he dismiss more easily a whispered demand to kill than a shout? And do the number of pitchforks the devils he sees carrying affect their credibility in his perception? His mind has categorized them as real, and so they are real to him. When he realizes they are all illusions, they will disappear, and so it is with healing. The properties of illusions, which seem to make them different, are really irrelevant for their properties are as illusory as they are. Six. The body's eyes will continue to see differences, but the mind which has let itself be healed will no longer acknowledge them. There will be those who seem to be, quote, sicker than others and the body's eyes will report their changed appearances as before. But the mind will put them all in one category. They are unreal. This is the gift of its teacher, the understanding that only two categories are meaningful in sorting out the messages the mind receives from what appears to be the outside world. And of these two, but one is real. Just as reality is wholly real, apart from size and shape and time and place, for differences cannot exist within it, so too are illusions without distinction. The one answer to sickness of any kind 
is healing. The one answer to all illusions is truth. Thank you, Mary and Reverend Rija. Six, and how about a prayer to open the floor? Mm-hmm. Okay. Six. The body's eyes will continue to see differences, but the mind which has left itself, let itself be healed will no longer acknowledge them. There will be those who seem to be sicker than others. I'm sorry, there's background noise and I'm, it's hard to read. We got it. Okay, thanks. Uh, okay, six, six. The body's eyes will continue to see differences, but the mind, which has left itself to healing, will no longer acknowledge them. There will be those who seem to be sicker than others, and the body's eyes will report their changed appearances as before. But the mind will put them all in one category. They are unreal. This is the gift of its teacher, the understanding that only two categories are meaningful in sorting out the messages the mind receives from what appears to be the outside world. And of these two, but one is real. Just as reality is wholly real, apart from size and shape and time and place, for differences cannot exist within it, so too are illusions without distinction. The one answer to sickness of any kind is healing. The one answer to all illusions is truth. And so we pray now as we listen to Elder Brother teaching us about perception, about truth. All of our lives, we have thought, or I have thought, that the world was outside of me, and I needed to protect myself, that I could be sick, that I could be hurt, that I could die. And I saw differences everywhere. This world is based on differences and conflict. But now, as I open to my right mind, the Holy Spirit, the gift I was given when I thought I had separated, it tells me the truth over and over every time I listen. I hear the truth. There is only wholeness. There is only healing and health. There is only completeness. I am still, as God created me, whole and complete and eternal. And when I look with the eyes of Christ, I see this perfection. I see this wholeness. I don't see differences or conflict. That is not real. Only love is real. Truth. I see what is true. Thank you for this vision. This is the healing. It's healing that gap I thought was there. And I'm so blessed. So we come together, all of us here now, to open to this truth, to support one another in this truth. It is the way to healing. It's why we came. And so it is. Amen. 
Amen. Thank you, Reverend Richard. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Reverend Regis. Okay. Uh, I was going to wait till. I was going to wait till later. This is Reverend Regis Joy, and I thought I'd throw two tidbits out. <laughs> One, I love this section because it reminds me of the basis for seeing in this world, which is contrast, which is conflict. It's the yin and the yang, you know. And uh, I am reminded that uh, the body's eyes, the body's eyes, will not see without contrast. It won't. There won't be any vision. It's they are physically built on the concept of change, contrast. What's amazing is that. People who have been blind from birth, when they, through some trauma or other, or, or not, just when they leave their bodies and have a near-death experience, they have sight, they can see. It is not the body's eyes that see, it's the mind. It's the eternal mind. So that is so amazing. So I... I see this as helping me remember, you know, and to put things in, talk about uh, uh, perspective. It's it's putting things in perspective for me. And thank you. I'm complete. Thanks, Reverend Regia. Thank you, Reverend Regia. Thank you, Reverend Regia. Thank you, Reverend Regia. This is Ida. Um, there was a Russian guy in the last few years who taught kids how to read without their physical eyes. Their physical eyes could see, but they were posed and blindfolded, and I saw this YouTube video of a uh, of the, the children who were probably about between the age of 7 and 10, something like that, um, holding up, standing up, holding up books, and speaking from them, reading them, and I saw one girl move the book from about just 14 inches in front of her, maybe, to even farther out, probably about as far as she could reach out, but on her left side. So I'm like, well, if she's not using her physical eyes, why does she have to move the book to her left to see better? <laughs> I don't know, but it was real interesting. Thank you. I'm complete. Wow. Thanks, Ida. Thanks, Ida. Thank you, Ida. This is Lee. This is an exceptional section that describes for me uh, the basis by which I can choose between uh, two thought systems in terms of how I regard the world and where I need seek for an understanding of how to ask that illusions be corrected. The thought system I've grown up with has directed my mind to take what the eyes see and use it to fashion one version of the world. In that version of the world, contrast 
and differences of size, shape, intensity of appeal, those things get highlighted. And because my mind is using that thought system to evaluate, the result of using the ego's thought system is that everything the mind takes in terms of its reception of what it sees as the world is mistaken. It's just fundamentally flawed. And when something is flawed, and I believe it to be true, that's his definition of an illusion. So I hold illusory thoughts and beliefs about what I see. Most particularly, I hold, in regard to this section, I hold illusory beliefs about some things yielding to truth quicker than other things might be expected to yield to truth. Keep in mind that he's saying what needs to yield to truth are the mistaken beliefs I have that there isn't anything outside of me or in what appears to be an external world that needs to yield itself to truth. My mind needs to yield to truth about what it sees. That's how I escape illusions. When he describes in paragraph two, the two sentences that describe why it is I um, came to accept the direction of this mistaken thought system. The second of those tenances um, has uh, a little deeper meaning for me than I first read it. Midway in, in paragraph two, he says, finding truth unacceptable, the mind revolts against truth and gives itself an illusion of victory. All right, so I'm told my ego thought system has found truth unacceptable and is directing me to see things the way that thought system would have things be. So I'm misinterpreting or misperceiving what I see. And the mind, because it wished to do that, senses that it has an illusion of victory because now it gets to author its version of reality according to its wish. Then in that next sentence, he says, finding health a burden, it retreats into feverish dreams. For me, there's no question that what he's speaking of is finding mental health, finding an orientation of my mind that accords with actuality or accords with the truth of me and the truth of everything, finding that order of simple mental harmony and truth or mental health a burden. My mind, when it rejects the truth, immediately slips into feverish dreams about everyone and everything about my relationship to my God, to my body, and to the world. Everything I experience as a result of rejecting truth leaves me working with a fantasy of what's so. Where this section goes for me is to remind me 
that when I ask for the correction that is the miracle, I'm inclined to believe according to the way the ego's thought system has directed me to relate to things that those which are larger by way of correction are more difficult than those which are smaller. But if there's one thing I get most particularly from this section, it's that correction is no respecter of size. When I invite correction, then the ego's way of sorting means nothing. When an illusion is lifted from my mind, a mistaken belief about what was true is lifted. And that mistaken belief has settled around what I consider small and large things, but all are released together when I ask for correction. If my mind were to be assisted out of the ego's thought system into that of the Holy Spirit's, as we'll read in the next two paragraphs of the next section, then it's lifted to the truth because it's allowed to relate to things in actuality. My illusions will have been stripped away. And that's what the Course refers to me as healing. It's that my illusions be stripped away that I walk out of a world fashioned entirely by my mistaken beliefs and misperceptions and into a world that accords with what Holy Spirit would have me behold. Thanks, I'm complete. Great, Lee. I got a question. Thanks, Lee. Thank you, Lee. Lee. Did, did anybody notice in that section, I didn't have my book in front of me, because I use the enlarged edition and it doesn't have this in it, that uh, one reference of mind was capitalized while other references of mind were not. Is that true in that paragraph, in those paragraphs? Which, which, oh, you don't know which paragraph, Rob? The ones you were reading. I know, but we read... Oh, let, me, let me do a search. Well, you just quick look down the page and see if you see mine with a capital M. Well, I did a I did a search on mind with um, uh, capital no, M, no, and I. I mean your your eyes. You just look down the page. You'll see no, where they were. No, that's fine. That's fine. It's There are about twenty references to mind. Not so. capitalizedly. Were any yeah. of them yeah. capitalized? No, Rob. They weren't. Thank you. Must have been talking about us. I'm complete. When, uh, Mary here. When uh, we were reading paragraph five, what was flashing in my mind was uh, the story behind the uh, Hawaiian prayer uh, of forgiveness. I never say the name right, so I'm not going to try. But Opono, <laughs> Opono. Yeah, there. I always get one of the O's mixed up. Anyway, uh, in other words, it's in my mind. All is in my mind, as we all know. And it's forgiveness 
that opens my mind to true perception. I have to accept first that my mind is closed <laughs> to true perception and that it that I need to release and and why is it closed? What what fears, what guilt are keeping it closed? And to sit quiet and to recognize those, hopefully with the help of the Holy Spirit, and release them to the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't happen just one time. That psychologist said that prayer over three years. Not that years make any difference since there is no time, but the thing is, sometimes I expect, (laughs) I say I release it, it's released. And it's not. It's not. So... Uh, the point of all this is that it's a possibility to release every form of guilt because there is no order of difficulty in miracles. Every block to God's love can be released through forgiveness. Thank you. I'm complete. Thank you. Mary. Yes, that is perfect. Hi, Mary. Thank you. Thank you, Mary. So this is Ida. So um, I had the ASPCA calendar on my wall this year, and the the cat for December is the only animal on the calendar that looks unhappy, and her name is Ozzy, and they said that she has this moderate to be, to severe cerebellar hyperplasia and. But when she got into a one-cat home from the shelter with three major things she learned to do that she couldn't do before, she stopped falling in her litter, began drinking water by herself, and learned how to groom. But she looks unhappy, so I've been visualizing her as happy because I don't like seeing that cat looking unhappy. And I like talk to the cat. And I'm just wondering, so if I ask for a miracle and everything, and it can it can happen, right? I mean, it can happen even though it's just a picture on my wall and she's really in another state and everything, right? I'm complete. Yes, that cat can be happy because you thought of what you thought. Absolutely. Thank you, Rob. Hi, it's Chris. I was just thinking of... I forget the name of the Japanese doctor, the, the study of uh, crystal Emoto. water positive. Emoto, right? And yeah. also, don't, remember, remember in the 70s, everybody was talking about how you used to talk to your plants, and if you loved them, they would grow? It's sure. More energy. And, sure. Uh, I'm complete. Everything that lives has consciousness. Thanks, Rob. Thank you, Chris. Ida, I just wanted to share how important these, um, the last part of six is to me. Um, in summary of the section, I read midway through, this is the gift of uh, the mind's teacher, the understanding that only two categories are meaningful. 
in sorting out the messages the mind receives from what appears to be the outside world. And of these two, but one is real. It's important for me to remember that of those two, one category is real and only one is false. For me, that's how he can say, just as reality is wholly real, representing one category, apart from size and shape and time and place, apart from those considerations, for differences cannot exist within reality, in reality, so too, he says, representing the other category available to my mind. Illusions are without distinction. All illusions are merely mistaken representations of what the other category available to my mind would reveal to me of reality. These categories represent two guides, one the ego and the other the Holy Spirit. That's how he can say to me, the one answer to sickness of any kind is healing. For me, the one answer to illusions of any kind is clarity. Clarity brings my mind to accord with reality. And that's why he can end this section with the one answer to all illusions is truth. Both categories available to me all the time. When I'm tired of lingering in a world represented by illusions, Holy Spirit offers me, in degree with my willingness to be corrected, an introduction to the world that accords with reality. Thank you. I'm complete. Thank you, Lee. Thank you, Lee. Yes, Lee. One of the things that is, this is Rob, one of the things that's proven over and over again is that if you rigidly, unfailingly remove everything but nature from your diet and add one mental item, belief that it will heal you, then the truth of nature is allowed in. The truth is there in nature. It doesn't have alternate ideas. It only knows its consciousness in reality. That's the only reason I've been able to be successful in replicating the doctors that believe in nature. My joining, my rigidity in believing that nature is the only thing that provides you with all the enzymes, vitamins, minerals, and liquid 
substances combined in the fluid from the plants and animals and animals and the belief that you will get well. And everybody who believes that and who submits to the rigidity of the truth of nature gets well. It's just that simple. And it's just a horrible, long-term, abrupt, grindingly returning to the truth on the inside of your body. And about halfway through, everybody starts to get, quote, religion, unquote, and realize that this thing is working. I feel good. Between the bouts of feeling bad with the healing reactions, I feel good. I don't know if any of you can imagine how glorious it is to be in a dining room with 30 cancer patients. If they've been into the therapy for at least six to eight weeks, they're as happy as a person you will ever find on the face of the earth. And they all still are having cancer and getting out of it. And there's nothing like it. I'm complete. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Rob. Um, we have two. We Thanks, have to read. Um, sorry, uh, section nine. Um, are changes required in life situation of God's teachers? So we made it through the list. Has anyone joined the call that would like to do to read? Just two paragraphs. All right. We'll start at the top. Uh, Lee, uh, nine. Um, actually, let me start. And then you can do one and two. And then I will do the end. Are changes required in the life situation of God's teachers? Changes are required in the minds of God's teachers. This may or may not involve changes in the external situation. Remember that no one is where he is by accident and plays no part in God's plan. It is most unlikely that changes in his attitudes would not be the first step in the newly made teacher of God's training. There is, however, no set pattern since training is always highly individualized. There are those who are called upon to change their life situation almost immediately, but these are generally special cases. By far, the majority are given a slowly evolving training program in which many previous mistakes, possible corrects, I'm sorry, I feel like this is just for me. Relationships in particular must be properly perceived and all dark cornerstones of forgiveness removed. Otherwise, the old thought system still has a basis for return. Hmm. Lee, uh, one and two, please. Changes are required in the minds of God's teachers. This may or may not involve changes in the external situation. Remember that no one is where he is by accident, and chance plays no part in God's plan. 
It is most unlikely that changes in his attitudes would not be the first step in the newly made teacher of God's training. There is, however, no set pattern since training is always highly individualized. There are those who are called upon to change their life situation almost immediately, but these are generally special cases. By far, the majority are given a slowly evolving training program in which as many previous mistakes as possible are corrected. Relationships in particular must be properly perceived, and all dark cornerstones of unforgiveness removed. Otherwise, the old thought system still has a basis for return. As the teacher of God advances in his training, he learns one lesson with increasing thoroughness. He does not make his own decisions. He asks his teacher for his answer, and it is this he follows as his guide for action. This becomes easier and easier as the teacher of God learns to give up his own judgment. The giving up of judgment, the obvious prerequisite for hearing God's voice, is usually a fairly low, slow process, not because it's difficult, but because it is apt to be perceived as personally insulting. The world's training is directed toward achieving a goal in direct opposition to that of our curriculum. The world trains for reliance on one's judgment as the criterion for maturity and strength. Our curriculum trains for the relinquishment of judgment as the necessary condition of salvation. Thank you, Lee. And Ida, too, please. As the teacher of God advances in his training, he learns one lesson with increasing thoroughness. He does not make his own decisions. He asks his teacher for his answer, and it is this he follows as his guide for action. This becomes easier and easier as the teacher of God learns to give up his own judgment. The giving up of judgment, the obvious prerequisite for hearing God's voice, is usually a fairly slow process. Not because it is difficult, but because it is apt to be perceived as personally insulting. The world's training is directed toward achieving a goal in direct opposition to that of our curriculum. The world trains for reliance on one's judgment as the criterion for maturity and strength. Our curriculum trains for the relinquishment of judgment as a necessary condition of salvation. Um, I Thank have you. to break now. Thanks to everybody. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Thank you, Ida. Bye, Ida. Bye. Um, I have spent my whole life doing the next to last sentence, training on the reliance 
for one's judgment as a criterion for maturity and strength. I'm so grateful there's another way, a complete. Thank you, Chris. This is Reverend Rich Joy. I love the part. I love that part. I quote it a lot about, um, you know, there are no accidents. And it says, remember that no one is, is where he is by accident and chance plays no part in God's plan. And I always like to say that, <laughs> and I, we say this at our course group on Sunday or wherever we're gathered together with people. Chris and I say, you know, my husband and I say, every decision you have ever made has brought you to this moment of now. And uh, it's a true statement <laughs> because uh, if you had made a different statement or different, you know, if you had chosen all up until this, the time of getting to the meeting, uh, you wouldn't be there. So every, every decision brought you to where you were making your next decision in the illusion of time. And uh, we're here. But the thing is, guess what? Uh, for me, I open to the now. And it's an amazing experience <laughs> because it's, it's always the same. It's such a paradox. It always changes, yet it's always the same. It's like a, a flowing river. The river is always the river but it's always changing, you know, it's changing color, it's changing strength, it's changing size, even course, but it's always the river. And so the now, it's always now. So what a paradox. It's, it's now, and yet it has the appearance of, of changing. So I, sometimes it's interesting, I wake up, and, I wake up into the now, I try to do this often, but and sometimes I go, "Wow, look at, look at, look at what, look at what I, where I am." I might be in a. Usually, I, I do this when I'm in a a place that I don't want to be, and that's ridiculous because why, why am I there? But I, I don't know. I just made a choice to go somewhere, and I'm, I'm sort of regretting it, and I'm sitting there, and then I wake up into the moment and say, "Wow." Look at all the choices that I made. I, look where I am. Where am I? I'm in, you know, and I'll say what country I'm in, what state I'm in, what, what building I'm in. It's just, I take note of, of the choices I've made and, and where I am. I don't know if that makes sense, but I sort of awaken to this moment now. It's pretty cool. Anyway, there's no accidents. And uh, no chance. Everything's on purpose. Like Raj, he says, everything's on purpose, on target. And you feel that sense of being on purpose. It's a, it's a feeling inside when you're listening to the Holy Spirit. Thank you. I'm complete. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks, Reverend Rija. That sounds like a powerful exercise. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Reverend Rachel. Thank you. If you want to see who you are, look around at those who are with you. That's who you are. Remember, the Course never asks, who am I? It always asks, what am I? What makes up my state what in the inside of me is gathered on the outside of me to show the what I am 
is who I am. I'm complete. Thank you, Rob. It's Lee. I really like how he loops back into the the um, final paragraph of the prior section in concluding this section. When he told me in the prior section that the mind has only two categories available to it. And one is um, illusory categories directed by the ego. And the other is categories that accord with truth directed by Holy Spirit. He follows right up with this final paragraph by saying that I learn one lesson with increasing thoroughness. I'll learn not to make my own decisions and to ask my teacher for his answer and follow that guide for action. It's always the ego's judgment that directs me away from the other thought system available to me. And so as I undertake this process of recognizing that first impulse as to how to respond in a situation or in meditation, I recognize that as I assess my life or the circumstances I'm involved in, the first inclination is to assess those things by way of the ego's judgment. That becomes my invitation to ask as deeply as I can that I be introduced to a different way of perceiving the situation I'm in or the person I'm having difficulty with. That's so important and so freeing for me to know that one set of judgments is not the only one I'm stuck with. I so agree, Chris. <laughs> it's such good news to know that there really is a full and complete alternative and that my invitation to that alternative is what he's referring to as correction and the escape from the dream of fear and the dream of judgment. Thanks, I'm complete. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Lee, I really needed to hear that this morning. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lee. Thank you, Lee. You're welcome. Thank you. This is Mary. These words, these shares, have, have been screaming to me about the gentleness of God's love. How he, through Holy Spirit, with us, with our level of fear or guilt, never asking us to do more than what we are willing. But that in the end, we are already saved. We're just correcting our mind. Believe that. To believe our true self. Thank you. I'm complete. Thank you, Mary. Thank you, Mary. Thank you, Mary. There's a strange phrase from Raj. 
that uh, embodies what Mary is talking about. Remember I was saying a moment ago that the book never says, who are you? It says, what are you? This strange phrase says, speaking to your ego, you aren't. And by the way, you never were. I'm complete. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Rob. But now I say, all of you here with that mind you have cultivated are and will never die. I'm complete. Thanks, Rob. Welcome. As a lighter note, this is Rob. Uh, when when all families are sitting around at Christmas, interacting with each other with the gifts they have brought, you see the reality of the males that they are truly at home with their sons and daughters and partners. Whereas if you go to a newsstand at Christmas time and you look in the men's section of the magazines, there will be four things you will see on the covers of the magazines. Uh, it will be usually in this order. Um, women. Um, automobiles. Watches. You know, wristwatches. And airplanes. That's the surface. That's the wished for fun things that always work out to be strange if you're picking them for the wrong reasons. The ones that really satisfy are when they're surrounded by their families at home. And somebody has given them the latest copy of Aviation Week. The real satisfying part is what's around them. Not what they got their eyes, their body's eyes on at the moment. I think it's a telling picture. I hope you all see what I mean. I'm complete. Thanks, Rob. All right, Reverend Rita, what do you say? Yep, it sounds like it sounds like a a rap. <laughs> so we'll um, we'll close our time together today, as we usually do with becoming quiet and going within. 
we feel the peace that that brings. It is our salvation to let go of judgment, to let go of our surface thoughts that perhaps perpetuate the separation. We choose now to go within. We have come together today in opening to our inner teacher to learn of perception and how we can dispel the illusion of a order of difficulty in healing. We firmly believe this is so. Quote, the belief in order of difficulties is the basis for the world's perception. Illusions are always illusions of differences. My teacher tells me today that I had become disillusioned and as a way of revolting against the truth, I retreated into dreams. I made it all up. Quote, and in these dreams, the mind is separate, different from other minds, with different interests of its own and able to gratify its needs at the expense of others. Unquote. I give everything all the meaning that it has. We read today, and this meaning does not exist in the world outside at all. We read what is seen as reality is simply what the mind prefers. Oh, wow. You know, in college I learned that when we stop the little tiny movements of the eyes that create contrast and stimulate the rods and cones, then there's no sight. Everything is blank. And sometimes we can do this in meditation. Quote, the body's eyes will never see except through differences. Unquote. Yet it is the mind that adds its interpretation and evaluation This is why the blind can see when they find themselves outside their body during a trauma, perhaps. It is the mind that sees. Mind does not require a body. I'm learning that I construct reality. And then I make certain that what I see fits into these categories that I preordained. How insane is this? If all sickness is illusion, then there is no hierarchy, no order in which some are more of an illusion than others. They seem to be different and have different properties, but, quote, their properties are as illusory as they are, unquote. And so we pray, Father, Mother, God, I have given away the meaning of my world and now with your love and guidance, I am reclaiming reality. Love is the only reality. And this I choose in a seemingly loveless world. Help me to remember why I came here. What was it that I had chosen to do? My mind has one teacher tell me 
what I am to learn. And I hear you whisper, my child, quote, what the body's eyes behold is only conflict. Look not to them for peace and understanding. And you tell me about the gift of my teacher. This is the gift of its teacher. The understanding that only two categories are meaningful in sorting out the messages the mind receives from what appears to be the outside world. And of these two, but one is real. Just as reality is wholly real, apart from size and shape and time and place, for differences cannot exist within it, so too are illusions without distinction. The one answer to sickness of any kind is healing. The one answer to all illusions is truth. Unquote. Father, Mother, God, let truth correct all errors in my mind that I may be healed and open to the reality of your love. In this is healing, for healing is the truth where I am home. And so it is. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you you so much.